1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without autopay pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
0: I can't imagine on a Sunday life without Red Zone. Jimmy Trena, though, he can imagine it. He is living that life each and every Sunday. He's a writer for Sports Illustrated. He is the host of the SI Media Podcast Jimmy, good to have you on, my friend Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. Why do you
2: hate Red Zone? I I knew the word hate would come up, and I I think the better phrasing of it is that Red Zone is just not for me. Um, As I explained uh, one day last week on SI.com in my column, um, I was a game mix watcher for 20 years. I I started with DirecTV in 1999. I canceled it last year which is a whole other story. Um, And I watched the game mix channel, the eight games. And then um, three or four years ago, they added a phenomenal second game mix channel, which is four games, usually the best four games of the week. And to go from that to red zone was a huge, I just, I can't do it. It's, I think you need like three different red zones. You need the red zone for whoever wants to play fantasy. You need the red zone for the degenerate gamblers. And then you need a red zone for people who just want to watch the real football teams. So, um, you know, I've been going to sports bars most, most weeks because I, I don't like the red zone. Last week, I had to stay home uh, for some family stuff. So I, was, I did use red zone a little bit. And they're showing me like a million plays from the Jets-Dolphins game. There's nobody on the face of the earth that needs to see that. Nobody. Not one play from that game needs to be shown.
3: All right. So, Jimmy, now I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Why did you get rid of your direct TV rights?
2: because uh i was having some technical issues as they say and a technician came to my house to fix it he moved my satellite dish decided not to patch up 29 holes that he put in my roof and then there was water coming into my house three days later when it rained and according to direct to direct tv they have no proof that they did it it could have been me just playing on my roof and they went and reimbursed me the you know three thousand four thousand dollars that it cost me to fix everything so um out of principle i just I had to cancel them
3: oh my gosh jimmy direct tv you're the wrong guy to do that to. <laughs> there's well, yes. a lot of people uh, that they could screw over can you believe like the one yeah. that like the si media guy you're the guy who they butchered the hole and then didn't replace it and yep. then wouldn't re- like I mean, people should get fired. You're literally the one guy that that should not happen to.
2: Well, and forget the SI part of it and the fact that I write a daily column and have a podcast and I could say Direct TV sucks constantly, which I do. (laughs) The issue is, I've been with them for 20 years. They lost a 20 year customer who, and I get the Sunday ticket every single year. You know, I've got the baseball package every year. Um, The fact that they throw all that money away. is, is really what I've learned from this mess, because obviously I've complained about it on Twitter because that's what everyone does is, um, at and recently took over direct TV. I don't know about recently, but sometime in the last couple of years, at and took over direct TV. And that was the downfall. Everyone says they have horrific customer service with them. I never had a problem with direct TV ever 20 years. Whenever there's a problem, they fixed it. They were great about everything. It was this past uh, September that this happened a year ago. And, um, if you if you ask about DirecTV on Twitter, everyone will tell you it was the takeover of AT and T, and now the customer service is as bad as anything in this country.
0: Talking to Jimmy Trainer, writer for SI, host of the SI Media <clears> podcast. <throat> I am technically an AT and T employee in my other job, so I'm gonna stay far away yeah, from I that have,
2: conversation. I, 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 have, the- I have a friend. I have, I'm good friends with. Uh, I don't know if I should say this or not, but well, what the hell? I'm good friends with Andrew Perloff from the Dan Patrick Show and. He always wants to have me on his podcast, but he says he doesn't think he can because I guess his show is AT&T and DirecTV owned. So, (laughs) you know, I I spend my
0: I spend my mornings at CNN, but that's all right. You're free to express your opinion here on Radio.com. Speaking of the Twitter reaction, though, what was the reaction to your column on
2: Twitter? What did you hear from people? Well, it's funny because um, so this again, like I said, this was my first year really ever using Red Zone. And I knew, obviously, I work for Sports Illustrated, I cover media, I know the popularity of Red Zone, I know everyone loves it, uh, people swear by it. If you, know, if you ask people, top five innovations in sports media over the last 20 years, that's right at the top of the list. So, uh, you know, I'm used to having weird, offbeat opinions on things. So... I wasn't surprised that I didn't like it, but I'm like, I'm not going public with this because I'm going to get shamed to no end. I'm the only person who doesn't like red zone. And, uh, I was shocked that I had more people on my side than I anticipated. I mean, I had a lot of people saying, you know, they were going to unfollow me and, um, this name and that name and a horrible person. Uh, but they, I probably say I had like 20% of the people on my side, which surprised me. Um, I, I really think, though, if you're not a fantasy player, you probably have a neg- a more negative opinion of Red Zone. Say it that way, because it, it seems totally geared for fantasy players. So what?
3: So what's your ideal, Jimmy? Like what? I mean, so like, you mentioned so like, the look, game mix. What's your ideal set up? Set up?
2: Show me the best games. That, like the ideal setup for me was when uh, is that four game mix channel? Listen, I go into each Sunday. I want to see the best teams. I want to watch the Saints every week. I want to watch the Chiefs every week. I want to watch the Patriots every week. I want to watch the Rams every week. Um, to me, that's where I want to get locked in on. I don't, especially at this point in the season now, we're into uh, what are we? Into week ten. I don't need to watch one play of a Jets game. I don't need to watch one play of a Redskins game. I don't need to watch one play of a Dolphins game. Um, so for me, the well, listen, the ideal situation is you know, access to every game, even the bad ones, if you like to gamble but realistically give me the best games of the week so um you know it's hard to do that obviously unless you have sunday tickets so i've been going to sports bars and then i can lock in on what i want to lock in on um there are i'm going to try to be very careful how i say this there are ways on the internet that may not be legal where you can watch any game and i've been um Dabbling in that with much success, I must say. So I was able to watch what I wanted last week for the most part. I have two TVs. So um, I have Red Zone on one. I had the Bears Eagles on another because that's what was shown locally in New York. And then I had two computers going with illegal streaming and uh, worked out well. I mean, one of the issues I think that is a fact to hear from me is that being in New York, unfortunately, every week we're relegated to two completely unwatchable games. Um, no matter what happens, you get a Jet and Giant game every Sunday here in New York, unless obviously they're on prime time on Sunday night, Monday night, and, and you can't watch those games. They're unwatchable, especially the Jets. The Giants at least have Saquon Barkley and the Daniel Jones thing, even though that's faded out a little bit. Um, but you know, I mean, the Giants going to play the Redskins this year? Well, I mean, why would anyone watch that game? I, you know, I don't get it. So. We're nobody. New York here, and that's a problem. Yeah,
0: <laughs> nobody more excited than Jimmy Trainer for the one o'clock Eastern Time window Giants Jets on Sunday, yeah. like Christmas Day for you. Uh, I want to ask one more question about the red zone, and as a parent, sure. I've seen my son and and all the kids they can't function without red zone. They have honestly no interest, Jimmy in watching an NFL football game. Cause they need it mainlined, man. They need that shit. That action has to come fast and furious. Has it hurt overall? You think fandom of the NFL or has it helped?
2: No, I think it's helped tremendously. Um, like I listen, no one can deny that. Um, one of the major reasons for the NFL's popularity is fantasy. And as I've said, I think the red zone caters to fantasy. So I think red zone, red zone is a nothing but help. It's nothing but been a positive. Um, I will say getting, if you want to get into like a little into the woods on, on hardcore media stuff, one of the interesting things about red zone, I had John O'Ran from sports business journal on my podcast earlier this season. And, you know, one of my hopes is someone who, Loves Sunday Ticket, loves Game Mix, and got rid of DirecTV. Is that I want, like, I have Verizon FiOS now, for instance. I would love for them to pick up the Sunday Ticket. I'd buy it in a heartbeat, no matter what the price is. Um, you know, give it, I was hoping for a day where, like, every cable company could offer Sunday Ticket, where then DirecTV doesn't have the exclusivity because the contract does run out after next season. And John made an interesting point to me. He said that the success of the Red Zone and the popularity of the Red Zone. Has turned cable companies off from even wanting to um, make a deal for Sunday Ticket because the price for Sunday Ticket is astronomical. I don't know. I think it's like $2 billion a year that DirecTV pays for the uh, Sunday Ticket exclusive rights to the NFL. Cable companies are so satisfied with what they pay and the uh, rating or audience viewership that they get for Red Zone that they don't even want Sunday Ticket. That's how popular the uh, Red Zone is. So, um, I think it's done nothing but help the league.
3: Jimmy, isn't there, like, aren't the DirecTV rights up or something? And there's, you know, thought that maybe some of these streaming companies will come in. Is that for the red zone or for the Sunday ticket? And what do you think ends up happening there?
2: It's for the Sunday ticket. Uh, by all indication, the DirecTV exclusivity for Sunday ticket is going to end after next year it's impossible to predict what's going to happen because every day there seems to be a new streaming service that comes up. Um, you know, We've heard Amazon wants the streaming rights. We've heard Apple TV wants the streaming rights. Uh, we've heard uh, Dazzin wants the streaming rights. Everyone wants the streaming rights. So there'll be a major bidding war. Um, I don't know what DirecTV does. They've recently made some comments That They don't know if they want to retain Sunday Ticket, which is interesting because I think DirecTV would probably be out of business without the NFL package. So it's it's an impossible thing to predict. The only thing I can tell you is there will be multiple outlets uh, who will be offering Sunday Ticket. It could be DirecTV and a streaming company. It could be um, maybe only streaming. I'm not sure how it goes down. But the days of where Sunday Ticket is only on DirecTV and nothing else, those will be over after next season.
0: Boy, will that be an interesting uh, development. Jimmy Trainer with us, Sports Illustrated, host of the SI Media Podcast. I have a lot of material over the last week regarding Deadspin and their stick-to-sports yeah. mantra. Is Deadspin dead? And what do you make of how they handle this situation?
2: It does seem like it's dead. I mean, when you have an entire staff leave, um, and then when you try to hire someone and they quit in an hour, uh, it does seem like it's going to be hard to sort of pick up the pieces and rebuild. I guess now they're uh, publishing stories that don't have bylines, except for just the word deadspin. Um, listen, I'm in a weird position in this because I'm very fortunate that SI has never told me to stick to sports. They've never said, don't write about this or, you know, stay on top. I mean, last, I write a column every single day and it's really on the lighter side of sports. So, um, it's not really a a column where I'm going to get into hardcore politics, but like last week I posted a video of Barack Obama um, talking about the ridiculousness of woke culture. No one said a word to me they let me do my thing. So um, I get where the dead space staff is coming from in wanting that editorial freedom. I think uh, it's important to have that editorial freedom. And, you know, there's this whole thing where it's stick to sports unless it's, uh, crosses into where politics then crosses into sports. Politics is crossing into sports all the time. Whether it's uh, Donald Trump getting booed at a Nationals game, whether it's the China controversy with LeBron James, and then you know, if, so then it becomes okay. Well, then are they going to then dictate what you say, what you write about those topics? And it's a, it's a very, I hate to use the phrase because it's so overplayed and lame, but it is a very slippery slope there. So listen, um, I, you know, I don't know if I'd have the guts to do what those people did and just quit without any jobs lined up. So it you how important it was to them. And, um, you know, new owners there, I guess, just weren't able to read the room properly with their uh, employees.
3: Jimmy, I haven't been following it that closely, but you're you're a good person to ask. What's going on
2: with Sports Illustrated? Well, we have new owners, and, uh, you know, they want to do some new things. Um, I think uh, it's been a little overblown in terms of, like, the direction we're going in because we still have a – uh, phenomenal group of writers. Tom Raducci is still here writing for us. Chris Ballard, John Wertheim, Grant Wall, Jenny Rentis. I mean, I can keep going. Um, our Daily Features, Hot Clicks, and my column going on and on and on. So, yes, there are definitely changes, but we still have a uh, a very, very impressive roster of writers. And, um, you know, we've, we've done some great work. Even, you know, the Antonio Brown stuff was all Sports Illustrated. Um, we had the World Series and the Controversy with the Astros with one of our writers, Stephanie Epstein. Uh, so, you know, yes, changes and new owners, but we're still rolling with a lot of what we uh, have always been doing.
3: Last one, Jimmy. I'm going to read you a tweet. Great mm-hmm. point here by Marshand. After <laughs> his first retirement, Francesa couldn't work out a deal with Sirius to do some shows with Dog, which everyone would have loved. And now he ends his career on... Dot, 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 radio.com. Jimmy, what's <laughs> wrong with radio.com, buddy? I left series to come here. Scalabrini left series to come here. Radio.com's where it's at, man. It's just getting started.
2: Here's what I would say. There's nothing wrong with radio.com, except if you're Mike Francesa, where – I would say 99% of your audience is probably 40 and up. This is, this is how I'm going to discuss this in my podcast. This is what I mean by that tweet. Nobody under 40 really listens to Mike Francesa or um, WFAN in New York. Okay. So you have, his audience is older. Four, it's a very old audience, 40 and up. You have the guys in the 40 to 50 range like myself and the diehards out there who will put on radio.com, no problem. They know how to use the apps. Once you start going to people above 50, which is the meat of his audience, Okay, my dad, my uncle, they have no idea how to use Radio.com. No offense to you. My dad is a terror with an iPhone. It's not pretty. Um, So it wasn't really meant as a shot at Radio.com because I think it's all about the fit. And I think Mike is a better, best fit at FAN than Radio.com. Other people are a better fit at Radio.com. But for Mike and his audience, uh, going to this internet only streaming, I think will prove to be uh, rough for him. Did I did I unhurt your feelings with that explanation?
3: Yeah, <laughs> my honestly, Jimmy, my feelings don't get hurt anyway. I just felt like busting your chops. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but fair, no, it's fair. fair. Hey, listen, in all sincerity, it's fair. People say, hey, where's your show on Sirius? I'm like, I left SiriusRadio.com and people are like, What? What's, What's even- that? Like it's it's a new thing, and I I absolutely get that. And your your point about Francesca does make some sense. Like I get that about the age part of it. Although my mom listens to me every morning and she's 70. So, Oh, she's going to be so mad. at My mom listens to me every morning and she's older. (laughs) So uh, sorry,
2: mom. But no, I understand what you're saying, Jimmy. I appreciate it. And listen, I, you know, you mentioned serious. I'm a long, long time, serious subscriber. And listen, I'm surprised how many people, when I tell them that I listen to serious on a daily basis, um, will say like, oh, I don't even know how to get that or, you know, oh, you got to pay, you know, there's even confusion with that. I mean, I'm like, I mean, Radio.com at least is free. I'm like which is a subscription. But th- it's amazing how, I mean, if you're talking to anyone, you know, like I said, over 40, when they, when they hear about streaming only, it, it, they do sort of recoil a little bit.
0: All right. We, we understand what you're saying. We are not easily yeah. offended here on Home and Home. Jimmy Trainer, writer for SI, yeah. host of the SI Media Podcast. We recommend, sir, that you listen to our next segment because we have a writer from Sports Illustrated that's going to tell us the great lengths to which men are going to fix up, to bolster their patchy or gray beards. I'm just saying it might be something I need that. you want to pay attention I need that to. that desperately. <laughs> Did you so that, that is our, our next segment. segment. No, Wall today. Street it's... Journal. Wall Street Journal. Wall Street I Journal.
2: Wall Street Journal. So,
0: get...
2: yeah. That that I, when that is some. House this morning, I I I realized, Oh no, I'm going to be on Skype, and I got the gray going. I should have shaved, but. <laughs> well, Listen. our next guest is going to
0: tell you how you can take care of that gray with just a little product. Be, Jimmy, thanks for temp- being with us. All right, <laughs> we appreciate you, that. Thanks, right. Jimmy so much to get to week nine as we approach week 10 of the NFL season. Let's talk about it with Brian Baldinger, NFL Network, Radio.com, NFL analyst. Baldy, good to see you. It's Dave Briggs. It's company man, Ross Tucker. I want to <laughs> get to all those topics. But first, I got to ask you about something we're going to discuss in the nine o'clock hour, which is the lengths to which men are going to bolster their beards, their, their facial hair. They are faking it. I did a Google search for you and looked for ever for your beard have you ever grown a beard why or why not
1: any cat out there right now Dave could lick whatever I grow I mean it's just uh, it's bad whiskers <laughs> it's not happening I have tried um I gave up a long long time ago I'm too old for it now uh every once in a while I take a razor and uh just sort of scrub it all off but it's just not growing on this face um you know um These Germans, you know, they just don't have a lot of hair on the body, man. It's kind of hard to grow it on on these things. So, anyways, (laughs) you can look and look and look. You're not going to find anything that remotely resembles anything that you two are wearing this morning. I couldn't (laughs) find a whisker. Not a single whisker, Ross. It's horrible. It's horrible. (laughs) More importantly, Baldy,
3: whose beard do you like better, me or Dave's? Dave's is like always very manicured. I haven't done anything to mine in like two weeks. Which which one do you like better?
1: I think Dave has a lot of maintenance going on with that beard, man. I mean, if maintenance <laughs> is a big deal, then I think Dave wins the award right there, Ross. I agree. I agree.
3: Dave's on TV every day. I, the only time I touch it up is Saturday before a college football game. It's about it. Uh, speaking of facial hair baldy, the Jags are going back to Nick Foles. I guess it's a two-part question. One is, is that the right decision? And the other thing is, speaking of the facial hair
1: and Gardner Minshew, do you think he's a starting quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, I do. And you know, I just you know I watched him last week in London against uh, Houston. Nobody on the team was very good. Um, I saw DJ Chark drop passes, and I saw Chris Conley drop passes. And you know, I mean, obviously, three points is you know a disappointing. Uh, score and to fall to four and five and really be slipping in the race. I mean, there's going to fall on the quarterback, but you know, you ask him to drop back 50 times and really none of the turnovers happened until the final seven minutes of the game, Ross, when it was 19 to three, and then eventually 26 to three and, you know, kind of got away from him. But I mean, I just still see him making a lot of plays. Uh, He did miss some, there's no question about it. Uh, He was under duress. I think Romeo Cornell threw the book at him, really kind of tested Uh, his savvy and pocket presence because he does get a little frenetic at times. But I do think he has the ability to be a starter because I do think he's innately accurate. I don't think accuracy is something that can vastly be improved, but he is accurate. And he does have the ability to extend plays and move. And he's a tough guy. So I do think he I don't think we're going to see the end of the mustache in Minshew mania. Uh, But it's time right now, I guess, you know, Doug Moreau made the decision. Let's go to Nick. He's healthy. Let's give him a spark because that's what they need right now. They're slipping in the AFC South. The Texans and Colts are out in front, and they get a big matchup against those two, uh, against a couple of South teams in Indianapolis and Tennessee. And they got to win to stay in the race right now.
0: And they've got 50 million reasons to start Nick Foles. You you give a guy that contract, you've got to see what you have in Nick Foles, especially given how that game ended for Jacksonville uh, picks and consecutive passes there in the fourth quarter. Also, the, it seems like the entire media is writing off the career of Cam Newton. He will turn 31 next year. He's going on the IR. He's cooked for this season. Kyle Allen's done a terrific job in replacing him uh, going five and one, but who is Cam moving forward? Again, 31 next year, two shoulder surgeries, the Liz Frank injury this season. Are you writing off Cam's career? Is it his future with Carolina or someplace else?
1: Well, those, those questions really can't be answered right now, Dave. I mean, uh, Cam Newton has been the league MVP. He's taken his team to a Super Bowl. I like Cam Newton, but Cam's only going to be a valuable asset if he's healthy and he hasn't been healthy since probably when they were 6 and 2 a year ago right around this time and so uh he's just you know because of the way that he plays the game and the fact that you know the running is a part of his game the physicality is a part of his game being bigger than every linebacker in the league is part of his game uh he has to be healthy in order to showcase his skills and so i believe if he's healthy he can certainly still be a starter but I don't know right now if Carolina is going to maintain the investment uh, in Cam Newton um, until he gets healthy, and until he sees what he can do. I mean, right now they're riding Kyle Allen. I think they want to ride Kyle Allen. Um, he's, what is he, 5-1, and 6-1 and one as a starter? And so he got past that the debacle that the whole team had in San Francisco two weeks ago. And, you know, Christian McCaffrey is the MVP of that team right now. But I think they got to wait and see, and how healthy can he get, and can he remain uh, maintain that health. He, he's we saw what he was like to start the season. We saw what he was like at the end of last season when he wasn't healthy and he wasn't good. And he's not a frontline starter if that's as good as he can be health wise. But I think all those questions can get answered until we see what he's like after these this you know this next round of uh, rehabilitation that he's got to go through. Baldy, you mentioned his name. I'm going to ask
3: you the same question about Kyle Allen that I asked you about Gardner Minshew. I mean, I I know it's still a somewhat small sample size, but have you seen enough from Kyle Allen to believe that he is, and will be next year, a starting quarterback
1: in the NFL? Well, I mean, in the small sample, I think so. Uh, But, you know, these guys have to do it over a period of time, right, Ross? So, Uh, We've seen a lot of guys jump out to, you know, start fast starts in their first season or second season, and then they fade. But I mean, he knows how to find the open receiver. He's got the arm strength to get it there. Um, The offense is pretty good offense right now. I mean, they got a rookie left tackle in their playing and battling like crazy. Uh, But you know, I mean, the guy doesn't really flinch uh, very much and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I know he did against San Francisco, but There was some miscommunication with some receivers, I believe, on some of those interceptions. Um, He ran into a hornet's nest, you know, the only undefeated team in the league. But he bounced back last week. I was impressed by that. And I've been impressed by what I've seen, to be honest with you, Ross. And so can he be a starter? I know he doesn't have a great college resume, but he looks awfully poised in there for a guy that has played as little as he's played. And the ball comes out of his hands hot and – you know, the offense right now moves with him at quarterback. And they're going to ride him here and see if they can get back in the race and stay in the race in a very difficult NFC. And if he does that over the next seven games or so, I think he could end up being the starting quarterback in Carolina. I can see Ron Rivera. He won a Super Bowl with, uh, you know, with a guy named McMahon. And he did not have great stats, but he was a great leader and got the job done. So I think that's his reference point on what a quarterback's supposed to do. Be a good point guard, be a good leader, and, um, you know, do, do his job. And so far, I think he's done that, Ross.
0: In what we just discussed, and we're talking to Brian Baldinger, NFL Network, Radio.com NFL analyst, regarding Cam Newton and his career potentially, at least, being over at age 30, should Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens see a direct correlation? Should they see a guy they're going to have to find a way to protect to lengthen his career or should they just ride this hot hand as as far as he will take them he is taking a beating he will shatter the quarterback carry uh record um do you see a guy that is clearly the mvp or at least in the discussion but can't do this
1: very long well i gave up on trying to um correct lamar jackson and when to get out of bounds when to get down i mean he's not doing it He's competing out there and, you know, if the body holds up, it holds up. And if it doesn't, they got two other guys that kind of do have the same skill set as Lamar. They're going to go in there and do it. And that's what they're doing right now. But in these scrambles, you know, I mean, the, the Patriots had a good game plan, but there really is no defense for Lamar Jackson and the Patriots game on Sunday night proved it and really his scrambles and the plays that he creates off on his own based on his own vision, and his own feel for the game is probably the best way to go about it. Because on those scrambles, he rarely gets hit, usually ends up out of bounds. Because whether he's changing direction in the field or he's just buying time, the defense really, the holes and how they're trying to squeeze him, just go away. And he ends up running out of bounds untouched. And that's probably the best way to run him, is just off scrambles and let the defense just sort of uh, expanded to their zones or have their uh, spy on them, whatever they're trying to do. I mean, Seattle and New England had good game plans for them. And the scrambles, they, they had no answer for it. And so when you see him down the goal line at the end of the game on, you know, running for eight yards down to the goal line, I mean, he's putting his head down he's going for it. And that's you're not going to take that out of him. And I, I'm done criticizing him for it or trying to say, look, I've seen RG3, I've seen Mike Dick, I've seen all the other guys – Steve Young, I've seen all these guys do it, and, you know, they ended up really beat up, Cam Newton. Um, and so, look, he, the, the beating is the beating, but it doesn't, he doesn't look like he's hurt ever. He never looks like he's tired. He looks like Michael Jordan out there. He's like he can play eight quarters a Sunday. So that's what they're riding right now, Dave, and I think, I think that's the right thing to do. I mean, he's been the best player on the field at Seattle, uh, best player on the field Sunday night against New England. Uh, and I think he's going to be the best player on the field almost every single Sunday for the rest of the season right now.
3: You know, Baldy, I, I know you love the Niners. I love the Niners. I love everything they got going on right now. They might get Staley, McGlinchey, and NewsCheck back this week. I guess my question is how do you think something like this seemingly comes out of nowhere? You know what I mean? Like, nobody had the Niners as a Super Bowl favorites. Nobody thought the Niners would be the last undefeated team. How do you explain a team like this, with all of the time we spend analyzing
1: the NFL, seemingly coming from nowhere to be this good? Well, you know, I think there's a couple things, Ross. Uh, One, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have been building this roster for three years. So... You know, they have a bunch of number one picks on the defensive line. Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner and Solomon Thomas and now Nick Boza, I think, has changed the whole culture on defense. Um, they had two interceptions all of last year, Ross. They've got 10 right now. Uh, they're taking the ball away. In, so, I mean, the takeaway thing is, is real. I would say the other part is just coaching. I mean, I think Mike McDaniels, the run game coordinator for the 49ers, is the smartest coach in football. He's been with Kyle every step of the way, Houston and Washington and Cleveland and Atlanta. Um, The Atlanta offense has never looked the same since Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniels left. Uh, I think they scheme the run game better than anybody else in the league. Uh, I don't think it ever really is finished evolving. I think it just continues and continues and continues based on what defenses do. So I think that's a part of it. I think, you know, this latest move to go get Emmanuel Sanders was really necessary and paying immediate dividends. Uh, but, you know, when you could put uh, Daniel Brunskill and uh, you could put, uh, you know, the left tackle in there right now and you really don't see any drop-off. I mean, that's really good coaching and good schematics. And then they paid Jimmy Grappolo to be a frontline starter and he certainly looked like that in their last game. And so I think it's a perfect storm. All those things coming together right now, Ross. Now, they, the meat of the schedule comes up. They're going to see a lot of really good teams in the second half of the season, and we'll see. You know, do they play 6-2 and football? Do they play 4-4 and football? Does this thing kind of come back to earth, or does it just continue? I mean, we're going to get a really good test here uh, with the schedule they have coming up.
0: Yeah, can't wait for that Monday night game. Niners-Seahawks going to be outstanding. Um, One of the great things that that we always talk about in the NFL is that you just – one week – you can completely forget everything you learned the prior week. So with that in mind, how do you explain a Green Bay Packers team that seemed like, felt like, looked like a Super Bowl contender going to the Chargers, 60 total yards through three quarters, 139 total yards.
1: How do you explain that? You've seen the tape. Well, you can't really look at the numbers because the numbers are what they are because they they couldn't convert a third down to start the game. And so when Melvin Ingram and Joey Boza are out there and they're beating their offensive line on the right side and on the left side, and on third and eight and third and 10, they're punting the ball because of sacks, and you just keep giving the ball back to Phillip Rivers, who with a new offensive coordinator, new design, is hanging on to the ball, and you just play a game of keep away. The game goes from three to nothing to six to nothing to 12 to nothing to 19 to nothing pretty quickly. And then you're just in catch-up mode. But if you really look... At this Green Bay offense, what is the offense? The offense is basically Aaron Rodgers dropping back, taking a look. If there's something there right away, he throws it. And if it isn't, then he just sort of kind of bops around back there waiting for something to break. And that hit right there, Joey Bowe's on him. He's taking way too many hits. And I think long term, it's not a good answer. Now, you could say, okay, well, what is the offense? I mean, I don't see a whole lot of difference in this offense versus anything Mike McCarthy had out there. There's differences in some personnel groupings where they get an advantage, especially down the red zone. But, you know, if you look at Aaron Jones running for four touchdowns against Dallas, I mean, that's probably not going to happen another time this year. That, That sort of makes your red zone offense look a lot better. But I think the way you explain it is, The Chargers just stopped him on third down to start the game. Phillip Rivers played keep away, and the game just sort of got away from him. And it is a week-to-week league. That probably won't happen again this year. But I don't think the offense is overly difficult to stop. I mean, send five guys out there, see who wins the one-on-one, and let Aaron Rodgers, you know, he can play the game some Sundays in a tuxedo. Let him bop around back there and find the open guy and just use his golden right arm to flick it to him. But I don't think that's a great offense. As you get ready for the postseason.
3: Baldy. When you look at Chicago. You putting more of the blame. For that offensive mess.
1: On Trubisky or Nagy. Well I put it on everybody Ross. I mean. I think. They don't. They. You know they're trying to get back to the run game. They did the week before. Against the Eagles. It was there. David Montgomery's a good back. But you got to give him a chance to run it. Um, I think they're grabbing at straws right now, Ross. Um, You know, outside of the big play down the field of Taylor Gabriel, they couldn't get an explosive play. But I see drop passes. I see an offensive line that's undermanned uh, right now. I see a quarterback that looks pretty skittish, um, doesn't look anything like he did at times last year, doesn't look very confident. And I looking for, uh, as a head coach, as a guy right now that is scrambling to try to put some – Good plays together to keep his defense off the field, which looks shattered at this point. So it's just a mix of everything right now, Ross. Like it can, you know, you can stop smoking in an instant. You can stop this awful-looking football that the Bears have had the last month in an instant. But it takes everything coming together. Um, Maybe they can flip the switch and figure out some balance for everything. But I don't think they're going to get a new right guard in there. I don't think the tackles are going to get infinitely better. Um, I don't think the receivers are just going to stop dropping some key passes right now. Uh, If they do all those things together, they can probably start turning this thing around. And, you know, you got to get one win before you get two. Uh, I've seen teams look awful and then turn it around. And then I've seen some teams that can't stop the funk. And that's where the Bears are right now. So to answer your question, I think it's a little bit of just everything right now. Matt Nagy went from coach of the year. He hadn't forgotten how to coach, but the team isn't playing really well. And he's got to figure out a way as a head coach to, to write the ship. That's his job right now. And it's really tough. And I'm anxious to see what kind of things he tries this week. Baldy, uh, Dave asked me a question
3: earlier uh, with the Giants and Jets playing on Sunday, which organization do I think is in better shape? I wanted to get your thoughts. Would you rather be a, a
1: Giants or Jets fan right now? Ooh. Uh, the Battle of New York is coming at a low point for both organizations, <laughs> uh, Ross. And, and look, Dave, it's the right question. I mean, everybody's, <laughs> that's the question everybody's going to be asking inside that stadium on Sunday. I'd have to say the Jets are the worst place right now because they got a new coach that was supposed to at least get the quarterback straightened out. And the quarterback is uh, has gone as far south as you can go. I remember Ross asking Tony Romo midseason last year against the Bears what he thought of Sam Darnold, because I respect Tony's really insight to the position. And he thought Sam Darnold, when Tom Brady and when Drew Brees and when Aaron Rodgers eventually ever step aside, he thought Sam Darnold could carry the mantle as the best quarterback in the league. And he thought, his decision-making, the talent, all that was there. And you nobody could say that right now, nobody. I mean, he, he looks completely broken at this point. And so, and Daniel Jones is a turnover machine. Now, I think you could correct that, but I think you have to start with the quarterbacks right now. And where is Sam Darnold? And why isn't he better? And why can't they put an offense line together? And I'm good friends with Joe, Joe, Joe Douglas. I've known him 20 years. I believe Joe's the right guy for this job. I don't know, he's got a lot of decisions to make from the head coach to how to build this team to how to spend their assets, um, how to stop the leaks in the building uh, on the trade deadline. I mean, there's. I would say the Jets are in a worse place if that's possible right now.
0: Is there any organization you'd want to have Less, I guess what I'm asking are the Jets in the worst situation in the NFL or is there someone else who is actually in worse shape Cincinnati comes to mind and obviously Miami though they clearly at least have a plan hundred plus million in cap space loads of picks the next couple of years what organization is in the worst shape overall
1: is it the Jets. Well, I mean, the Washington Redskins are, you know, have an offense built around a 33-year-old running back right now with an offensive line where their best player doesn't want to play, uh, doesn't want to play for the Redskins. I mean, that's a bad situation right there. Um, Cincinnati is a bad situation. I mean, they've got some talent on that team. You wouldn't know it, though, by watching them play. I don't agree with a lot of the things the Dolphins have done. I don't know why anybody would trade. Laramie Tunsil out of the building. I, I, I'll never, ever agree with that decision. I don't care what they got for him. Uh, you're not going to find Laramie Tunsil in many drafts. So I don't agree with... But I, so I think there's a lot of teams in competition for the Jets, but to say that the Jets are in the worst situation right now, organization-wise, you're, you're not going to get an argument from me on that. Uh, I, can't, wow. I can't say anybody's worse than them, although there's, uh, uh, those teams I just mentioned are in the same club. Um, if you're looking to say, you know, which one is the worst, I mean, that roll call is you could throw any of those teams up there and, uh, any of those would be the right thing. But yeah, to say the jets are the worst right now, you can't say anybody's worse than them right now. <sighs>
0: wow. Quite a discussion. I-, I like this. I like talking about the bottom feeders in the NFL jets. <laughs> fans must love this conversation. Brian Baldinger. We I hate it. At the time. I hate it
1: myself. I hate <laughs> Do it. Do you? I've been a- Listen, you know why I hate it, Dave? Like, I no. think Ross can understand this. I played on a 1 in 15 team in Indianapolis. And I remember, Ross, I remember, you know, when you're 1 in 15, you're just trying to be a leader, do what you can, right? So I remember I used to have extra offense line meetings on Saturday. And we go through every protection, you know, every check. And I just, you know, we had a bunch of guys in there that were, you know, half asleep from partying the night before. But I mean, I was trying to do my part. And at some point, usually before the, the first quarter ended, the wheels would start to come off. And you just like oh, but we we just we we beat the Jets. That was our only win. We beat the Jets that year. I mean it was, you know I mean it was a one of fifteen. And I've been there, and I know how awful it is for a guy that's just trying to be a pro, and just trying to uh, do everything right to try to, you know, give us ourselves a chance to win. And one of fifteen is one of those years where you go. I hope nobody has to ever go through that ever, because it's not fair to a lot of people that tried really really hard that year. You do the right things. And I know there's a lot of guys in Cincinnati and Miami and Washington and in New York trying to do the right things. In the front office, the coaching staff and the players, and they're just not getting any results. You know, Baldy, uh, I was on some bad teams,
3: but I think they were, we were still 5-11, and 6-10. Wow. Uh, I cannot imagine 1-15 or 0-16. And, and, you know, nobody feels bad for you, and you can appreciate this but people don't like people look at me like I'm crazy when I tell them that when you're on a losing team late in the year especially but when you're losing it's not really a fun job it's uh because of how high pressure it is and because that usually leads to a lot of people getting fired coaching staff and stuff it's a really it's a really bad environment when you know, you're losing like that. I know my first three years, Baldy, the head coach got fired at the end of the year. And I was, I was with three different teams, but the head coach, I was the original coach killer. The coach got fired at the end of those years. And like, I'm telling you, man, November and definitely December, people don't even look at each other in the hallway. They don't say hi. I mean, it's a bad, it's a bad deal, man. And, And people, I try to explain that to them. They're like, "Oh, you're getting paid so much money to play football." Yeah, that's awesome, and that's the good part about it. But it's still not necessarily
1: fun when you're in those kind of situations. Well, they they usually cancel the holiday party, Ross. Um, (laughs) Nobody was in in that kind of a frame of mind. I mean, look, I mean, you don't want to go to the you don't want to go to the local Acme to go pick up some groceries. You don't want to be seen. (laughs) But then you don't want to call Domino's for dinner because you don't want to see that guy either. And so, like, it's It's just really, it's a, you're right. I mean, there's nothing fun about it. And uh, when the wheels come off Sundays and you're on that bench, you can see the body language in those guys. I mean, there's just nothing exciting about any of it. And we all know what the fate are and usually is when you're in that situation come November and December. A lot of people are going to be gone. Uh, The cars are going to be packed well before the holidays begin. And everybody just wants to get out of town. So it, it's it, it never really changes. And I don't care. The money doesn't make any difference at all to in that situation.
0: I'm glad you guys personalize that because yeah, you, you can laugh it off and you don't often think of what it would be like to go out there in such a brutal game with such negative circumstances surrounding you. So that's really interesting insight from both you guys personalizing that Baldy still a couple of weeks left in no shave November. We would love to see a couple of whiskers on you next time. (laughs) I mean, Just that patchy awesomeness would be great. Baldy. Come on, give it a shot. All
1: right. I'll tell you what you, you let me know the next time you want me to come on home and home here and I'll work on it. I'll give you a a solid two weeks. If you give me the advance, and I'll show you just how bad it looks, all right? In fact, I might just bring a razor and do a Joe Namath right here on the the podcast and just take it right off for you and show you how easy it falls off. I'm so happy.
0: All right, deal. Brian Baldinger, NFL Network, Radio.com, NFL Analyst. Great stuff, my friend. We can't wait to see that patchy.